Hi, I'm Garrett, and welcome to The Conversation. I think conversation is one of the most important tools we have for building and maintaining genuine relationships. In the age of the internet and social media, the conversation is a dying art. While we're technically more connected than ever, it seems more difficult than ever to engage with alternative perspectives in a meaningful way. We talk past each other and speak totally different languages without even knowing it. This show is my attempt at working on that problem. I'm trying to learn how to have meaningful conversation and practice what I learn. It's partly an experiment. Maybe if I start having more difficult conversations, I can get better at it. Maybe we can all get better at it. I don't know how this experiment's going to turn out, but hey, this could be interesting. Thanks for agreeing to to talk to me, especially since you probably know very, very little about me. <laughs> no problem. I mean, what, what did I even say in, in our, my message to you? Something like, well, I told you we were talking about my sister a little bit and we were talking about, I think actually what inspired me to want to talk to you in the first place, other than like, I really love your podcast. I think you and Peter are great guys, great teachers and great hosts to people. Um, but I think you said something on Facebook I disagreed with. And that's usually the only reason I want to talk to anybody about anything. Is to just Perfect. Tell them why they're wrong about things on Facebook. <laughs> Excellent. That sounds like, uh, sounds like you remind me of me 10 years ago. <laughs> well, so I don't even remember what you said on Facebook. So it's going to be kind of hard to have the argument. But we, we can try to argue anyways. Sure. I, I, think, I, think, what, I think where it started, though, is, is you, you said something. Hmm. I, th- I think it made me uncomfortable because you were, you said something about like against conservatives or something like that, and that made me like, whoa! Hmm. I, I'm trying to stick up for conservatives because those are my friends. <laughs> well, they're my friends and my family too. So I don't know what I would have said against conservatives. <clears throat> I think maybe you're confusing me with Pete. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually. I just listened today. I was like, I'm, I got to do my homework on Jared so I can, I can make, make sure we're on the same page about things these days. So I, I listened to the, your last couple of, of podcasts because I hadn't caught up with the podcast in a little bit. And you and Pete had a conversation at like the end of December specifically about, you know, you had, some people were asking you like, how come you don't have more people with other opinions on the podcast? Or, or why, why are you like, why are you, why, why are you so, why are you so mean? Why are you so arrogant? Actually, that was, that was what I watched on, on his website recently, the, the question to why are you so arrogant and why are you so sarcastic? <laughs> that was pretty amazing. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, when he has all his uh, Harvard paraphernalia up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. But yeah, I, I guess I'm just really lately been trying to work on this question of how, how do you have a, a conversation? I don't know. How do you have those conversations across the table with your family these days when everybody's on such a different page? It seems like. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great it's a great question that I've been thinking about for the last fifteen years. As you know, my family and a lot of my close friends kind of diverged theologically um, and biblically, and um, you know, so some of the things I've learned are making sure that I understand what's at stake in, in these conversations and what do I want out of it, I think is really important. Like, what do I want to have happen? Like visualizing the conversation before I have it and saying, okay, when, at the end of this conversation, where do I hope we are? Um, and if if the answer is, this is my experience, if the answer is, I hope that they're convinced and they come to my side, that's not a good goal. Um, right. It's just it's an unreasonable expectation, and so you're going to get frustrated, you're get disappointed. Um, so how do we keep relationship? You know, for me, it's that balance between how do we keep a relationship with this person while not feeling like we have to be a doormat and just agree and and you know placate people or nod and grin. Like how do we? How can I actually have my conviction and disagree with you, and at the end of the day, still love you and. F- have you feel my love for you and, right. and feel loved by you. And that's, it's hard. It's tricky. And it usually only happens within close relationships where we're doing life together in other ways so that we have other things that we build our relationship on besides these five things that we disagree on. Yeah. Well, and there's, but there has to be, 
the frustrating part of that question is that there there has to be a key moment, I think, where you say, okay, we're not going to be, we're not going to have a relationship anymore. And trying to figure out what that is, like, I mean, in the circles I grew up in, it was like, the key thing that we have to agree on is that, you know, probably something like the sinner's prayer or, or the inerrancy of the Bible or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's, that's a little frustrating. I, I think one of the things that really got me thinking about this question, even in the beginning, is a while ago you guys had talked to somebody, um, I think a, somebody who had, had some history with, with the Jewish tradition. And they were talking about how one of the kind of a leg up that Judaism has on evangelicalism and Christianity is that if you're a Jew, sorry, you're a Jew. Like, yeah, no one gets to kick you out. Yeah, and, and you're not even allowed. I mean, can you leave? I mean, you can leave, but you're still a Jew. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so. So this is one thing I've been thinking about recently. I, I was talking to my, my brother, actually. Who, my brother's here, too. You want to say hi, Evan? Hello. I'm the sound guy. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> um, but we were talking about, like, he's like, why why do you keep calling yourself an evangelical? Like, what what, is that, what does that word do? And I guess I, I was trying to play with that idea of, like, well, why should I, you know, just because I have some disagreements, just because I have some other positions or I want to think about and talk about, does that mean that I need to like eject myself from my whole, all of my surroundings and all the people that, I mean, for one thing, people that care about me and also the people that I care about. It's like trying to ask questions and not having anybody around who actually cares about whether or not I wake up in the morning isn't, you know, <laughs> that makes those questions a lot harder to, to ask and, and feel sane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, yep, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I agree. And I think, you know, I've been, when I actually answer similarly, when people say sometimes like, well, what makes you a Christian? And I have a lot of different answers, but one of the things I often say is I will always and forever for my entire life be shaped by Christianity and evangelicalism. I, I can't, right. it, it, it's the worldview and the language that I grew up making meaning of the world with. And and so e- even if I became an atheist, I would still be a Christian in some sense, um, in some really important sense. And so I think, yeah, in, in, and I'm trying to get That's at so that funny. similar like Jewish identity piece. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like whether you like it or not, or, or even in some sense, I've, I've heard, I don't know, various people talk about it, like America is Christian, sort of whether it likes it or not. It's like it's it's so deeply it's so built into the foundations of what established the country. And like, it's like almost all the thinkers and all the people who were writing laws and writing constitution and stuff like that, like faith was just so a part of that. And it was the Christian faith. It wasn't just faith in general. It was like, right. This was a Christian place. But I think, well, one of the other thing that I really appreciate you two guys, uh, is, the, the exactly the response see I, I still don't remember what we argued about on facebook but i remember your response to me was uh oh that's an interesting point but my status was fun it kind of it's not as funny as my status oh yeah i remember that now yeah 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 and uh-huh. i thought that's so true my comment was so boring <laughs> funniness i don't know that's one thing i noticed about the, the way you guys even approach conversation and approach teaching is like something about humor diffuses so much of well I guess I just want to ask do you, do you try and use that is, is that something that just naturally happens or have you tried to use that as a strategy to like help you know with, with potentially tense conversations within family sure. within yeah yeah I mean I think it's a both and like I, I wouldn't use a tool uh, that I didn't have in my toolkit so I think it comes somewhat naturally to me but um, absolutely. I mean, I think especially whenever you're self-deprecating, because you can diffuse it by, you know, you can kind of take the take the ammo out of the gun when you just are able to not take yourself so seriously. I mean, I think at right. the bottom line, like that's one of the things that Pete and I talk about a lot. Like we take the Bible very seriously, and we don't take ourselves seriously at all. And I think that's a really great approach. And it also helps you just navigate the world better because you don't uh, tend to get so defensive or offended. Um, and that's proven very helpful in the last uh, 12 to 18 months. So that's, I, I like that phrase. We take the Bible seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously at all. But I don't, I, I feel like you, you should also be able to say 
it in an invert. I think you should be able to say that you take yourself seriously and you, you don't take the Bible seriously too in 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 a healthy way. Just 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 for the sake of argument, because I want to argue with you. Mm-hmm. But, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, okay. So if if I don't take myself seriously, if I don't take what I think about the world seriously, if I don't think that I, I, I guess it depends on what you mean by seriously. But right. if if I don't think that anything I have to say is right then like or anything i have to think is right it's like i have no i have no impetus to act or do anything in the world because it's like the uncertainty of whether or not you know my story about what what would be the right thing to do in a day is so overbearing and, and overwhelming it's like I, I i can't take i don't know are you following what i'm saying i i think so but i i would the only i would push back and say on on a few different points. One, I would argue we're not certain about much at all. So we're always acting on probabilities, right? Right. So I'm not I'm not certain that I'm going to get not get in a car wreck, but that doesn't mean I don't get in my car and I take that chance because I need to get somewhere, right? So the risk is worth it. Um, right. so we're doing these calculations all the time in terms of certainties and uncertainties. And, but the second thing I, I think I would say is you know, our beliefs and how we act in my mind, are on a different register. That's not like hmm. I can. That's interesting. I can always think that I I could always be wrong about any of my beliefs, but that doesn't, you know, for me the impetus to act isn't certainty, and I think that's actually been a problem in Christianity. Right. Um, that's actually the thing that I'm trying to root out is right. to say why do I have to be certain about something to act on? So, but it sounds like we com- are associating those certainty with seriousness, though. Uh, I, I guess in some ways, yeah, because I think if we go back and you say, you know, what do we mean by whenever you say, do you take yourself seriously? I think for me, that has a very Buddhist, um, maybe a Buddhist connotation of like, it's it's impermanent. And, and this situation will, hmm. it's impermanent. And you lashing out at me and being angry at me is impermanent. Like, these things will change and tomorrow I'll wake up and I'll still be alive and I'll still have the people who love me and care about me in my corner and on a um, a greater scale though it's like that's that's Christianity too Christianity has had you know such an evolution and such I mean even before it was called Christianity sure right like Mm -hmm. it's it's impermanent but the I guess maybe it's just the the slowness of its change is more reliable than the, the than the kind of quick changing that's going to happen with like you know my worldview in five years how, how different i'm going to think about things right yeah th- there's definitely a uh, a more um sturdy or steady foundation when you have millions and millions of people building on a tradition um for sure than my own opinion <laughs> i i like though using kind of a certainty calculation to think about belief too, because yeah, like, like you said, that that's one of the things that we've, we struggled with in the evangelical tradition is like, you have to be certain that you're going to heaven and you have to be certain that the Bible is 100% true. And it's like, it doesn't work when you, when you begin to think about what you mean by certain, <laughs> because when you think about, right. Anything that you believe, you, you can't be totally certain of it because you just don't know what you're not going to believe tomorrow. Right. Right. Well, we can't be, you, you know, we have to be omniscient um, to be certain is the, the problem. We'd have to know everything. Um, and we, we don't. So, and, and also, I make this point in my book that certainty is a feeling. Hmm. Oh, so it, we, feel, we feel certain. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be unreliable in itself. Um, you know, I, I've I've been married for 17 years, and there are times when I have felt very certain about something, um, where I put my keys or whatever, and my wife proves me wrong. It's like that that un, that shakes that feeling of foundation, like of certainty, where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh no, I was I was absolutely certain. Like I have a very distinct memory of it being here, and then my wife just kind of like, you know, comes in and in three seconds just makes me feel really uncertain. And it's like, oh, it, we can extrapolate that. Right. Um, but I think it's important that we recognize certainty is a feeling. That was a huge revelation to me. Like, oh, okay, well, that puts it in a different category than than some epistemic certainty that's like objective or something. Right. Well, so you, you said you're writing a book. I think I think you mentioned that probably on your podcast too. You have to be pretty certain of your ideas to have a, a, like, or at least you have to be confident in them 
that, so there's there's a confidence. Maybe confidence is different than certainty. But mm-hmm. you're, you're getting ready to. Have you written a couple books? Uh, well, the the book that I'm talking about actually came out in September, so okay. it's already out. And then I wrote Genesis for Normal People with Pete. Yeah. Right. Okay. So w- whenever you write a book, it's like that's going to be out there for a little while. Mm-hmm. And you, obviously, you spend some time thinking about what you want to go into that. Mm-hmm. But like, how do you how do you decide? I mean this is kind of, I guess the problem always with making any sort of art is like, how do you decide that it's done? How do you decide that it represents something that you're comfortable, you know, I guess representing you for a little while? Yeah. I mean, I think that goes, it's, it's a great segue from taking ourselves too seriously is it, it is my current thinking and I hold no, uh, I don't think that it's all correct. There's probably things I, it came out in September. There's priority things I disagree with um, here in January and for me, it's it's a point, it's a moment for people to consider new ideas and new thoughts, have conversations around it. Um, perhaps it changes some minds, perhaps it doesn't, but I'm not attached to that. You know, that's I I wrote the book because I wanted to write. Yeah. Because I'm compelled to write and I have things that I'd like to formulate and I have things that I think would be helpful for people. But that seriousness again for me is my identity is not crushed if it gets a, a thousand one-star reviews on Amazon and no one cares. It's yeah. that's that's the difference. I hope yeah, I hope I hope I've come to that place. Right. Yeah. That, that would be a, a pretty humble place to be. Right. You, but so, do you go to the? I mean, first of all, do you go to church? Uh, yeah, I'm a member at Salford Mennonite Church. Yep. Okay. I was going to ask. So, is that's not the tradition you grew up with, though? I assume. No. No way. So when and how do you? decide it's time to like change churches because like if if that's just something we kind of do like whenever our beliefs change then 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 we get that problem we kind of talked about at the beginning it's like there's no there's no sense of like especially when you want to wrestle with a hard question you want people around you that care about you right 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 well i mean you know for me i would just say to that point and and if you have a community of people who care about you and love you regardless of your beliefs i think that's really wonderful the evangelical communities i would have grown up in they care about you as long as you believe all the same things they do right. and then once you don't they ghost you it's it's awkward like and then you become a project and the whole goal is to save you back into the fold and right. that that for me doesn't feel like someone really is caring about me um or loving me so for me, that's when it's time is when I feel like that we can't get past that barrier. Um, you know, I, I'm happy. I feel like I can do that well, but I, I respect that other people can't. Um, be in relationship with someone who disagrees fundamentally about some key concepts in Christianity and they can't, you know, be in that kind of loving relationship. And uh, so I respect that, but I also don't want to subject myself to, to that. And I think for me, it's about wisdom. And every person has to decide for themselves what that line is for them. Um, and I think we have to be careful that we don't give people unwarranted advice um, based on our own experience and try to hold them to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I do think everybody's emotional, you know, emotional resiliency, um, mental capacity, mental health is different. So, well, obviously, you know. Whenever somebody says is doing something or saying something you think is wrong, the whole point of you thinking it's wrong is 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 like it, that's a mechanism inside of you that says like, "Hey, maybe I can fix this." Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and and that's not there as as a glitch, right? That that's something that, in an ideal situation, leads towards a community that, or leads towards relationships that that grow and that you know. That learn how to navigate the world better. But how do yeah. you know? I guess you talked about stakes. Like, what's at stake when you're having an argument with somebody? Mm-hmm. Is is the relationship at stake? Or I, I, I mean, I find myself just kind of avoiding a lot of a lot of questions, a lot of conversations with with people in my community. And it, it's not that I I'm doing it to like be deceptive or something. It's like. I guess even even sometimes if, if I'm asked a question like, do you believe in the inerrancy of scripture or something like that, I feel like depending on who's asking me that question, I'll, I'll give a, a blatantly different answer. And and to me, that doesn't even feel like a lie because it's like, I, I know what you sort of mean when you're asking me this question and I know what you sort of mean when you're asking me this question. 
And I just want you to both know I'm on the same page, or at least I'm, I, I want to have a conversation with you still anyway. So I'm not going to make this be the, the hill I die on, I guess. Say, say more. I'd be curious to hear more about by having blatantly different answers for people. How, yeah, what's your mental justification for that? Say more about that. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. So if, if somebody asks me, you know, do you believe in the inerrancy of Scripture? And what they mean by that is, you know, do, do you believe that Israel uh, actually crossed the Red Sea or that they actually slaughtered the Canaanites or, or that God actually created the earth in, in, ten, in seven days? I don't know how many days, 10 days, certain number of days. <laughs> it's like, no, I, I, I don't believe in, in the inerrancy of Scripture if, if that's what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's like when it comes to those events and those stories, it's like they, they happened in some sense. So if you're asking me if they happened truly, it's like, well, yeah, I, I believe that the Bible is not lying to me when it tells me about these events because it's, it's telling me about something true. It's just I don't know if your sort of empirical definition of, of true is what, what we're talking about. But if mm-hmm. somebody's you know asking, so if somebody's trying to, to build a bridge with me there and get on the same page as me as far as taking science and archaeology seriously then I'll say, yeah, I don't believe in the inerrancy of scripture. But if, mm-hmm. if, if a Christian who, you know, and that's something, that's an idea that's really important to them, the inerrancy of scripture, because it's probably, in a lot of cases, I feel like it might just be a sort of uh, an emotional, like, attachment to that phrase. Because, again, mm-hmm. it, it's a phrase that's so charged and can mean a lot of different things. But, yeah, mm-hmm. if they ask me, you know, do you believe that scripture is inerrant? I, I think what they might mean more by that is like, do you, do you take scripture seriously? It's like, I, I, maybe I want to sit there and, and talk about what I mean by, you know, taking the scripture seriously or talking about what it means by an inerrant. But it's like, especially if I know that they're not on course to have that sort of a conversation and have any sort of good reception to it, it's like, I don't, I don't see the point in explaining what I mean so clearly about, about why I would disagree with them because it's like, I don't disagree with their love for scripture. And mm-hmm. when I say, you know, I don't believe that the scripture is inerrant, that's what they're taking the meaning as. And it's like, I'm trying to read the meta question and, and they're asking me if I, if I, you know, if I, re- if I have respect for scripture or not, which it's like, yes, I do. I, I love mm-hmm. scripture. I think, I think these stories and, and this text is like, it's, it's worth building a life and a community around. Hmm. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is you go, you come to your own conclusions about what they mean. Yeah. <laughs> and and then respond based on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, okay. to some extent, that's, I think that's kind of what I do in, in most conversations. And actually, Evan, I just kicked over a, a, a cup of water if you want to make sure that doesn't fry any electronics in the house. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, that's more or less what you have to do in any conversation because if, if you get caught up in the semantics of what everybody means by everything it's like if you can kind of translate i mean that's that's what you do whenever you use jargon or you use any sort of community speech it's like a wor- most words are charged especially words like like inerrant or mm-hmm. uh or sovereign or or like mm-hmm. christian words like that or or i mean in any community you start talking about sciency words it's like you don't have to argue about the specifics all the time because if you at least if you agree generally then why have a really specific conversation about what you specifically don't agree on when it's like that's might not be a useful conversation to have at the moment what how are you determining whether it'd be useful or not to have that conversation i mean in the same way i don't know it's like you just got to try and make that call right to some extent, I mean, the better you know a person, the more you can try to mm-hmm. sense where they're at. Right. And it's like, you know, I've tried to talk to my my parents about evolution so many times. And sometimes I've done it in a way that was really snarky and offensive and annoying. And I was like, you know, it's not even that they weren't ready for that. I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, but like, so you have to kind of sense, okay, am I, am I ready to, to have a good conversation about this thing with this person? And are they ready to have a good conversation about this? And it's like, if not, 
then we don't have to go and have that disagreement because if we it's like if i'm saying yes i'm saying i agree with you enough to not make this be a, a dis, a, an argument right but you, it also could be misleading because they could be coming to a different conclusion than what right. you're coming to in terms of what it means and yeah. then they're not getting to know the real you and you're not getting to know the real them right and i think that that for me would be the only pushback is then that the what's at stake is a, is a true genuine relationship where I get to see into your heart and know your thinking, know your feelings, and and so I have to keep you at bay through just being able to nod and say, yeah, I believe the same things you do. Um, I mean, I would just say my approach is different. I I tend to just ask questions. So if someone came to me and said, "Do you believe in inerrancy?" I'd be say, "Oh my goodness, that can mean so many things. What what do you mean by inerrancy?" I'd be really curious to hear. Hmm. And then, so I'm not making that assumption, then right. I can hear what they have to say. So if they say this and this and this to say, oh, okay, well, what I hear you saying is, um, you know, a lot of what you're saying is, do we take the Bible seriously and do we love it? Right. Um, it's like, yeah, oh, totally yeah, on the same then page. Absolutely, right. I'm on, right? But I, I think um, the, the difference, it's it's usually I get the, that question as sort of a passing question when trying to get somewhere else. And it's like, okay, we're, we're already on course to try, to try to get through. We're working on a problem here. Do we want this? I mean, this this is a big problem. If we take this tangent, we're going to be stuck here for longer than we have to sit down. Do I want to ruin the conversation that we're trying to have? <laughs> but see, that's I think for me, that's the problem. Why would that ruin a conversation? I mean, it's just a judgment call of like, okay, is what we're talking about... I, I guess it's just like, if I think that we're going to make more headway and we're going to say more interesting things, you know, mm. by having the conversation we're already having, then I don't mm. want to distract from that by, I guess, throw, throwing... A stumbling block to a brother. Interesting. So, for you to be open and honest about what you believe feels like a stumbling block. I appreciate that you're trying to argue with me. <laughs> I mean, does, isn't that a stumbling block? I mean, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I'm. No, it's been a while I wouldn't since say I've, so. I I don't think ever. I think what can be a stumbling block is how we position it, what comes before and after it. Um, the way that we communicate what we believe, um, absolutely. How we invest or don't invest in human beings that we're in community with, I think those can be stumbling blocks. I don't think that it's ever a stumbling block, to be honest. I think we there's definitely different shades, right? And that's what we're talking about. Like, I'm not going to, with someone I don't know very well who goes to my con- church on a Sunday morning and we're doing the Sunday morning greeting and they say, hey, I'm Paul, what's your name? And I say, I'm Jared. And they say, uh, that's great. Do you believe in the inerrancy of scripture? Like, I'm going to give a very, like, pretty just cursory answer. Like, right. you know, Which, or to be honest, could again, take that probably as, what I would say is, hey, Paul, great to meet you. That's a really complicated question. I'd love <laughs> to go to coffee with you and talk about it, right? Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would push back on that a little bit. I think there's, there is a way. I, that's what I believe, and that's been my, like, that's been my... Uh, I, I don't want to say purpose, but that's what I've been gearing toward. That's been a goal of mine over the last five to 10 years is figuring out how in every single one of those conversations I can walk away feeling like I've been true to myself, I've been honest, but I didn't create any fissure in that relationship. Um, and it's it's a trick for sure, but... Um, well, I wonder, like, to, to maybe flip that around on you... Um, if it, it sounds like so you're you're saying I, I, I gotta get this train of thought it's run away from me I got a good one though um, it sounds like you're still trying to avo- well okay this is what I'm this is what I'm saying um, when you were talking about not wanting to uh, talking about what direction you guys felt like you wanted to go with your podcast mm-hmm or like, I don't see why we need to have a conversation about why we need to include these these voices that are not kind of on the same page as us because that's like not not the conversation mm-hmm. we're trying to have, right? Right, and it's like you have to figure out ways of doing that. Like, but people are always going to feel. I, I guess that doesn't relate directly to dishonesty, but there is some sense of you, you have to choose your battles. And choose what yeah, what sure. you want to spend your life talking about, for sure. 
Yeah, but is there a way to do that? Where so I, I I'm reminded of Brian McLaren who uh, was speaking at actually my church a few years ago, and um, you know, someone said, you know, what do you say when someone you know is arguing with you about something, or they give you an opinion, and you don't want to, you don't have the time, you don't whatever. He said, I always say that's interesting. I see it differently, um, hmm. and that's it. He just says, I I see it differently. And, uh, but that's okay. You know, we can see things differently and, you know, we can talk about it or we can not, and that's fine. So I think for me, that's where I give that energy is like, I can say, Hey, I see it differently. That's okay. Like we can just keep moving on. Like, I don't, I don't need to stick here. Like this isn't, this isn't a hill I'm going to die on. Right. Um, I guess it's just about whether or not you're emotionally charged enough to feel like you have to fight on that hill. It's like, if you just say confidently, I see that differently, that, that could, that doesn't sound. That's not a super offensive thing to say to anybody. I don't right. think. Right. Right. I mean. Yeah. I mean that, and, and that's. But I also think like that, what, what I don't. What I guess I'll say. I don't. What I don't like about your approach is it's avoiding conflict, and mm-hmm. I think we need more conflict. Like in the Jewish tradition, all these other we need. We need to learn how to sit in the uncomfortable situation where we disagree on important things, and learn how to be resilient in our relationships. Like it's okay that. You know, my mom and I have very heated conversations about Black Lives Matter or we, you know, the, it's, it's okay. And at the end of the day, she's my mom and I say, I love you and I would do anything for her. She would do anything for me. We're going to go and spend as much time as we can together otherwise. And that's all good. Um, like, how do we, how can we learn how to enter conflict in healthier ways rather than avoid it? That's no, an important totally, question yeah. for me. That's, and that's, that's exact. I totally am on the same page about that. I, I, I'm trying. That's why I said I'm, I'm trying to have more fights. I'm just trying to figure out how to. I mean, but it's not, I wouldn't position it as fights. For me, it's how do we learn about each other? Right. Which if I we're going to learn about each other, we're going to disagree because right. you're not me and I'm not you. Right. We have to have more arguments without them becoming fights. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, I think that's. A, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd sign on. Hmm. Apparently, you have too. So. <laughs> yeah so you said you had some difficult conversations with people in your family for sure yeah and you've you've made it through the other side nobody has disowned anybody no <laughs> no i mean i've got and i've gotten lucky right because you can't always control that right yeah, exactly I, I could have been i could have been honest and i could have been disowned right so uh kudos to my family and to me that we all value relationships over doctrine. Yeah. And I, I, that, that really is, I think, the bottom of it is just deciding that your relationship is more important than, mm-hmm. than having it, or than whatever, whatever this idea is you want to die on. I want to even... So I, I listened today to some of your, your unpacking of the story of Jonah, and I, I, mm-hmm. I loved that. It was, it's, it's, I mean, anytime all these stories that have been kind of hammered to death for me as a kid, I get to listen to them from kind of a, a perspective that really brings some life to them. Or I just, I don't know, it gives me a new new perspective on them. It's like, I know the story, and then suddenly this thing that was so dead to me just becomes so interesting again. Um, but I tried to even, I, I tried to use that story of Jonah today as an example uh, t- when I was talking to my, to my dad about giving up a position on on anything, and I, I want to see if 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 you can maybe pick apart my reading and tell tell me if if it's wrong. But when I when I like so after hearing kind of what you said about Jonah and, and the story, I kind of saw Jonah as as a figure of being sort of part of the institution, part of the part of the church. Church has a position on these these outliers. You know, these people are, are pretty annoying, and, and and they're they're doing things the wrong way, uh, and so I kind of hope God wipes them out, but God says He wants He wants to, wants to include them. He wants to, He wants to actually He wants to tell them to repent, which is like it, it made me think. Okay, maybe there's two ways of of reading the story, at least two perspectives you can read it from. But at least from Jonah's perspective, he's this guy who is really. Uh, really conservative and really anti-marginalized people group, Nineveh. And he wants God to judge him. He wants to just to get rid of him. They're annoying. 
and God challenges him to do it and he runs the other direction and then he has to go into the underworld. He has to go, has to enter into the waters of chaos like, like the world had to do when God was judging with Noah and like, and in some sense, in a really weird symbolic way, Jesus does by going through the Jordan and, and Israel crossing the, the Red Sea. It's like everybody has to descend into this non-identity before stepping into their promised land version of themselves. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, that, that's the pattern. It's like you have to, and I was wondering, so why do you have to go into the chaos in order to, for God to renew you and to God to give you another perspective? And it was, it's, it's fun when you get kind of riffing on a story because sometimes something occurs to you right in the moment that you hadn't planned. And you're like, just pretend you knew that the whole time because it suddenly makes sense. But I was thinking like, yeah, because when, when you, your identity is totally broken down and you aren't anything and you're not part of an institution and you're not part of anything, then you don't have anything to lose by becoming something new, by taking on a new position. And so there's a critical point where if, if you're so committed to your ways that you just won't change, then you've got to die in order to become something new. Yeah, I mean, I think that's tapping into some some ancient archetypes, you know, and I think Jesus did a great job of that as well. And yeah, I mean, the, the irony of the Jonah story is we hold our breath hoping that he's gone through this uh I forget. There's a there's a word for that, um, but we'll call it you know our our transformative experience. Yeah. And then we expect him to do the right thing, and he does. You know, the first we we start the second half of the book with go to Nineveh and preach this, and he does. It's like, right. yes, he learned his lesson. And then we get to the fourth chapter, and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> like, it's like he, so. he changed just enough. He's still totally screwed. <laughs> But he changed just enough for God to accomplish what he wanted to with him. With yeah, with the Ninevites. Yeah. Yeah. Even after <laughs> even after killing him and, and then resurrecting him with this fish, he, he yeah. at least he's changed a, a, enough. So he's, he's it's like there's the tradition is still but see okay, so the other side I wanted to read that story from though is that you know Jonah's part of an institution, he's part of the institution of the church and he and he's fed up with the marginalized group. The other end of that story, I think I wanted to read it from is that Jonah is looking at this institution of people doing things that he doesn't think are the right way of doing them. And people, an a city that he thinks is totally worth destroying. And from that perspective, I kind of read it in as like, you know, the, the leftist who's totally just done you know, like just screw the church or just screw the government. Like let's mm -hmm. burn it all down. It's like I, I don't like any of this. These people are totally corrupt. They're totally horrible. Just judge them already, God. All these horrible business owners and these rich young guys who don't deserve their dad's money. Just kill all of those guys and judge them already, because it's that's obviously sin, duh. But then God challenges Jonah to say no. I actually want to try and redeem something good about those institutions. And Jonah's like, no, -uh, I'm not going to be part of that. And God says, no, I want you to go and, and, and be part of the change. And I want you to go and call these people into something higher. And Jonah does the opposite. And, and God has to change his heart and says, no, I, I don't judge anybody. I don't burn a whole institution down until there's nothing good left in it. I don't, you know, I don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there's even one good person there. I'm a really merciful guy. And I'm not just going to destroy an institution because there are people that I care about in that institution and there's even some good stuff in that institution. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, uh, you know, I think that it's extrapolating the principle of who is the other, right? Who is, yeah. who is the enemy? And that slices so many different ways, for sure. I guess, I don't know, I, I, I feel like that, I, I, guess, I guess I'm just starting to love scripture because it's telling stories that, don't that aren't lopsided, that don't just tell, you know, about, uh, about a, a, a horrible corrupt king that we all destroyed and we're happy when the, when the king dies and, the, and then everything's better when, when the bad guy dies. It's mm -hmm. like there's bad guys on both sides 
and both sides need redemption. Both sides right. need to sort of die in the underworld and, and prostate <laughs> prostrate themselves before. That's a different podcast. <laughs> Crap. You know, I, I ruined one family gathering that we had a couple years ago. And this was right after there was some real heavy family tension. One one of one one of our family members was going through a really hard time and everybody was there was the, the tension was really thick and that I, I decided to to that was a good time to during family devotions say that I had always uh, misunderstood Gentile to be the same word as genital. And I was like, oh, obviously the Gentiles are, they're, they're pissed off at the Jews because they're calling on these mean names. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bit of a tangent, but. <laughs> oh, man. There's, there's some great confusions we can have about the Bible that lead to some pretty fun conversations if we're willing to have them. <laughs> they were not willing to have that conversation, though, by the way. No, no bad timing. <laughs> but I think, so, I mean, you talked about, so we, we had to take the Bible seriously. We had to t- not take ourselves seriously. Mm-hmm. That phrase reminded me a lot of, there's a band I like called The Chariot. I'm not sure you heard of them. Mm-mm. It doesn't surprise me. They're a really uh, abrasive, not uh, easy to listen to music. But it's really interesting anyways. They like to do all kinds of crazy uh, time signatures and stuff. And they're very difficult. I don't know, like, I, I guess that music kind of plays into some of, some of the, the, the themes they stand for. Is like they, they had this funny thing where the titles of all of the tracks on one of their albums made kind of a phrase. It was like a poem or something like that. And it was like each, each song was a word. And it said this phrase... Forget not your first love, but speak in tongues and cheek. Which I, I love that. It's like, it's this, it sounds like so epic and so, you know, high and like, oh, forget not your first love, but speak in tongues. And then it, but then it ends off with this silly speak in tongues and cheek. Right. And, and yeah. when asked about that, he was like, yeah, it's like, cause they're, they're a, a at least a band raised in Christian circles, at least a lot of them have some association with faith. And, and he was kind of talking about how that plays into it. It's like, you don't, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't, you don't say that you don't, don't forget your first love. Don't forget that how much, you know, your tradition gave you. Mm-hmm. So speak in tongues, you know, speak out that truth or like try to try to reconcile with it, but don't take yourself too seriously. Right. Speak in tongues and cheek. Right, right. Well, because, you know, it, it reminds me of what I would want to avoid is a, a lot of people move from one fundamentalism to another. Yeah. And totally. and the challenge is the fundamentalism. It's not the content, it's not the content of your belief. Right. And that's just as dangerous. And so that's what I want to get to is I want to get to the posture of fundamentalism where we have to have certainty and then we use that as a way to control and oppress others. Um, I feel like any belief set can hold to that. Hmm. Do you, so you said you're part of now a Mennonite community. You think, are are they kind of getting that right a little bit more broadly speaking as far as Mennonite communities in general? Like they're associated with like the, the brethren in Christ or be in Christ now, right? Brethren in Christ and Mennonite are different. Yeah. Um, okay. They're like cousins. They're okay, um, okay. But they're but, not called brethren in Christ anymore. They're called B in Christ because we got really? to include the ladies too. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah no, no. It's, you know, one of the phrases that come up a lot um, is forbearance. And that's a kind of a Mennonite principle. Okay. I don't um, know or, what that or word value. Means. And I really like it because it's, we uphold the community over our doctrinal differences uh, when possible. Hmm. And it means, so when we first started going to this congregation, they were going through kind of LGBTQ, what do we do here, challenges and hmm. issues. And f- I got to see forbearance at play. A- I mean, every week or every other week, we had focus groups, we had congregational meetings, we had you know, set up these table fellowship groups where small groups could talk more and we had guided questions and it was just sort of like keep showing up with each other and keep talking to the point that we were all so sick of talking about it. Um, But that for me was a great 
motto of forbearance. Like the that's, community matters more. We're going to do whatever it takes yeah, that's to keep people here together. What? Because um, I mean, what? That's that's been a question that's been floating around in some circles pretty close to me lately. How did you guys get through that? It was rough. I mean, it was it was a real challenge. But luckily, we had some pastors who, again, continued to emphasize, you know the like unity but not at the expense of people feeling like they could voice their opinions hmm. and indifference and that's a hard thing to do again it's like sitting in the conflict um for the sake of community uh, it, it sounds really uncomfortable <laughs> it was absolutely you said it was though like is everybody on the same page now or have you just is, are people kind of willing to just sit in the and just let it i mean are, are people sort of doing what I was doing as far as at least what I was trying to do saying like, yeah, I agree with you, but not specifically what you mean by that. No, not really. I think the people who are still, you know, um, I was joking about this with the other day is, uh, you know, the, the class that we have with our oldest members are called the wise and wonderful. They're like in their eighties and they, you know, I've taught that class a few times and it's so funny to hear like some of the things they complain about, but it's like, they're loyal to the congregation. Some of them have been there for their entire 80 years. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like they earn the right to be like, I don't like this. Right. I don't agree with that. I don't know. Like that doesn't that's mean so they're funny. going anywhere. They don't care. Like yeah. <laughs> um, they're still, they're going to be there till they die. And that's great. Um, so I, I, I think there's been more of that of just like, we all know where you stand, but you're going to keep coming and showing up and that's good. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is really great. Well, I, I hope that attitude can can make its way around the Christian circles a little bit. I'm I'm hoping that I, I feel some some sense of a similar Jonah call to my community to go and and you know and and be better together with them. Right. Yeah. And again, I I have a similar personality. I think I have a I have a high threshold for conflict and people telling me I'm wrong and whatever. I just, for me, I've learned not to think that everyone should be like me because not everyone's built like me. So, yeah. yeah, and and that's that's not really an insult to everybody else either because it, it wouldn't be so great if everybody was built like you, probably. No, especially it not wouldn't. like me, because it also means I'm not. I'm you know I'm also not great at like I'm not the most emotionally like available person either. <laughs> so that's that's the flip side of it, right? Is like. I just I don't care that you disagree with me, but that also means I have a harder right. time on the flip side. Okay. Interesting. So. That's yeah. It, it translates a little bit differently for me as far as you know. I guess how it flows into my other parts of my personality. But yeah, it's it's like you, you kind of need you need both sides of the, of the equation. You need, you need people who are willing to sit there and wrestle, and you need their, you need people who can just just feel it. Well, sometimes it's the prophetic too of like you know I have friends who are like, how can you stay there like. You need to protest it. You need to advocate for this, and like, and I'm always like, go for it. Like, I love that you're doing that. Yeah. That's not my place. That's not right. my call. Yeah. But I love that you're, you know, that right. we need people on the front lines who are right. advocating for these things. Yeah. It's it. I feel. See, this is kind of. I don't know if it's getting back to the earlier thing, but it's like I feel like I, I sit there and I look at my conservative friends who are fighting change tooth and nail, and I'm like good for you guys I, I i want somebody to sit there and and always say that the new ideas are bad so that way we only get the really really good new ideas yeah the filter right yeah i i, I really i really appreciate that filter you guys are bringing and then at the same time i'm looking at my, my liberal friends and i'm like thank you guys for being creative and coming up with all these you know these new ideas it's like we we need both of these things but i just i can't get them to get along well, because the problem isn't the liberal or like the progressive or conservative impulse, right? It, those are those I think are neutral and can be really good thing. It's when we get ego and fear, right? Whenever the conservatives are fighting progressive ideas because they're afraid, that's when things get turned sideways. Or when progressives are arguing against conservative ideas because they're afraid, right? Fear at the basis or insecurity at the basis right. in our own identity. That's Which, where the unhealthy conflict comes guess, into play. And if you can counter that, if, if you can right off, uh, off the bat say, hey, doesn't matter where we land, you've still got a, a, a spiritual community to come back to, that totally diffuses the fear right. of that. Right. Because it's like, yeah. the stakes here aren't high. The stakes are just us, 
you know, maybe coming to a better, maybe they're still kind of high, but they're not as high as they could be. They're, they're not right. at the level of if we don't agree, we're done. Right, right. Yeah, but there's also, I mean, if you think politically even, not we're going to go there, but I think there's fear though beyond even just my community. There is, you know, if Donald Trump is president again, this is what the world's going to look like in four years. Mm-hmm. And there's a fear. Right. And that's going to play into all my conversations right. now politically. Or if Joe Biden is president, this is what the, and those fears are, you know, completely overwhelming some of these conversations right. where we can't even come at it. Um, from a different angle. Yeah. Well, I really would love to talk about, I think this fear thing is, is, is going to be something good for me to chew on. And I'd love to chew on it together, but I know you got, you got other things to do and we got to kind of wrap things up, but thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with me and, and share some, share some stories. It means yeah, a lot. Absolutely. Well, that was interesting. If you enjoyed this conversation, consider sharing it with someone else you think might find it interesting. Even better, try to find someone you think might disagree with something here and take some time to listen to their perspective. Try to have a meaningful, good-faith conversation. Practice listening deeply and patiently and speaking clearly and precisely. I think if we can get better at this, we might actually change the world. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.